Let's all stand. Turn to 419. 419, we're going to sing verses 1, 2, and 4. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy veil, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ a solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. Thank you, Brother Waters. Well, welcome to our Oasis in the Desert tonight. Amen. It's good to see each one of you in the Lord's house as we go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Uh, I'm going to ask Brother... <clears throat> yeah, I know. It happens, doesn't it? I'm going to ask Brother Katanic. I was going to say, I was like looking at you and it was blanking on me. Brother Don, would you pray for us as we begin tonight, please? And you may be seated tonight. Thank you, Brother Don. I won't uh, forget your name again, I promise. Um, I, I was talking to somebody, oh, where were we just the other day? And, and uh, they said, oh, it was in a parent-teacher conference. And I, I mentioned something I'd forgotten at school. And they said, well, that's what happens when you get older. <laughs> said, thanks a lot. Appreciate that. Anyway, um, but uh, good to be in the Lord's house tonight, isn't it? Among friends, among our church family, and certainly thankful that uh, God has allowed us to be here. Um, just a few things I want to remind you about that are coming up. Now, if you haven't looked at the November calendar, uh, you probably need to do that. There are, uh, you know, we have a tendency to think, you know, at least around here, that November kind of slows down. And it does a little, but it picks up in some different ways, okay? So uh, make sure that you're, that you're following along and, and ready for all these things that are coming up. Um, the first thing that's going to be happening is this Sunday, uh, there's going to be a combined adult and teen Sunday school class. Um, and so uh, Brother Luke Quinlan is going to be here this Sunday, and he's going to be teaching Sunday school. And uh, so we're excited about that. Fist bump pump from his dad back there. He's ready to hear his son uh, uh, preach Sunday school this Sunday. So we're looking forward to having him home. Amen. And it'll be a blessing uh, to hear him this Sunday morning in Sunday school. So be here and be a part of that and be an encouragement uh, to Luke as he is here. 
And then uh, don't forget that uh, Friday, uh, the 10th of November, so just uh, a couple of weeks from now, um, about a week and a half actually, we're going to be having our all-church hayride and cookout. If you've never been to that, it's a great time. It is a great time of fellowship uh, together. And uh, so uh, be ready to be there and be a part of that, okay? The bus is going to leave here at 6.30 in the evening. Uh, so if you can be here uh, by 6.30 and ride the bus, uh, that would be ideal. Uh, there's not a, a lot of room for parking. I mean, you can't park on the street uh, up there at the top of the road. But uh, if you can ride the bus, that'd be great. And I'm going to leave at 6.30. There's a sign-up in the outer foyer if you're planning on attending that. Uh, please just write your name down there and your family's name. Uh, down there so we can kind of plan for how much food to have. Um, there's a, speaking of the food, there's another sign-up sheet out there tonight. First night it's been out there, but it's on the right side of that table as you go out, and you can sign up for the different things that, that we need for that night. The only thing that's not going to be on there is going to be the hot dogs uh, and, and the buns. The church is going to take care of that, uh, but if you can help sign up for like the, the s'mores stuff, uh, bring some chocolate and the graham crackers and the marshmallows, and, and bring uh, the soda and the bottles of water and things like that. You can either bring it here to the church and we can take it out there, or if you uh, just want to bring it with you that night, uh, if you're coming to ride on the bus and carry it on the bus with you and take it out, or if you're driving out there because you can't make it to the church on time at 6.30 and you, you need to drive out there, just bring it with you, okay? And just bring it down and we'll get it all set up down there so that we can feast. And it sounds like it's not going to be too cold, uh, next week, looking at the weather, I think it's around 36 degrees or for the low that night, so it's not too bad, all right? It is November. It could be worse, okay? Uh, just saying. Like last night, it got down to, I think, 21 degrees or something last night, so it's not going to be quite as cold, but it'll be a good time together. We'll uh, have the bonfire and cookout. We'll do some hay rides and have a bunch of games out there for all the kids and things like that, so it'll be a wonderful time together. So plan, plan for that. Plan to be there. If you need the address, just come see me, and I can get you the address uh, if you need to drive out there on your own. On the 17th, uh, the, the following Friday, the 17th, is the, the youth rally at First Baptist Church in Mission. And I would appreciate it if you'd pray for me as I'll be preaching at that. Never had the opportunity to preach at a youth rally before. Um, being uh, the youth pastor for 16 years, uh, that never presented itself. But it'll be a good time. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, their theme that night, I can tell you this, it's on full surrender. And if we ever needed it, uh, if there was ever a time we needed teenagers to be all in for the Lord. It's now. And uh, so just be praying that God will do a work there that night. Have your teenagers ready to go. Get with Brother Tim on times to leave and things like that. Uh, that following Saturday, the 18th, is churchwide outreach. So plan to be here 1030 in the morning for outreach. And then that Sunday, the 19th, is our uh, Thanksgiving banquet. All right. And we're excited about that. So plan to be here for that. Bring some side dishes. The church, uh, some of the men in the church are going to smoke the turkeys and I have the hams and all that kind of stuff, but if you can bring the side dishes for that, uh, that would be great. We're going to have regular services in the morning, be regular Sunday school time, regular church service time. After the, after the morning service, we'll uh, head over to the fellowship hall and to the gymnasium and have our, our banquet over there. And then following that, we'll have an afternoon service, probably start up around 2, 2.30, something like that is usually about the time we begin. Uh, with the Thanksgiving bank, or, the, or I'm sorry, the afternoon service after the banquet. So uh, Brother Frank Wood's going to be preaching that morning and that afternoon. So be in prayer for him. That morning uh, for Sunday school, uh, my son is going to be teaching Sunday school that morning. So Cody will be here. And so be in prayer for him as well. And looking forward to uh, hearing what God has laid on his heart to teach 
that morning for Sunday school. Uh, Tuesday that week, the 21st, is going to be our midweek service. So keep that in mind. If you show up on Wednesday night, there won't be anybody here. Okay, so keep in mind that Tuesday night, the 21st, at 7 o'clock, we're going to have our midweek service. We move it back a day to give uh, people time to travel and things like that for the holiday. So um, keep that in mind. That it's on the 21st will be uh, that midweek service. That Wednesday, um, the school is going to dismiss that Wednesday at noon. So parents, be aware of that, that we'll be heading out for Thanksgiving break at noon on Wednesday, the 22nd. One other activity that I failed to mention, I had to write it over here and I didn't mention it in order at least, but Sunday night the 12th, the teens have a restaurant takeover. So parents be aware of that. It's, and I'm not sure how you pronounce the restaurant. It's a Mexican restaurant. I think it's Abelertos or Abelert. What is it? Abaratos. Is that what it is? All right, so Abarat, they're going there after Sunday night service, all right? And uh, going to eat some uh, Mexican food and have a good time there. And so keep that in mind after the Sunday night service on the 12th of November. So a lot of things coming up, so be mindful of the calendar, all right? Let's go ahead and get out our prayer list tonight, and we'll look at a few things here. <clears throat> a few things that we need to go ahead and add uh, on there tonight, uh, just uh, by way of uh, texting today. If you can remember the Shanes in prayer, I know they would appreciate that. Um, Mrs. Shane's been sick for going on a week now. If, uh, she was not here uh, last Wednesday night and, of course, missed all the activities on Friday with the Harvest Party and then is still home uh, sick this evening. And now Brother Shane is not feeling well either. So uh, that's, uh, the, the family is sharing. They believe in sharing. So uh, if you would just keep them in your prayers, I know they would appreciate that. Um, also, another one that's not on here is uh, the Cotton family. Of course, that's Miss Natalie Stewart's parents. If you'd remember them in your prayers, they, um, they both had um, COVID. Mrs. Cotton, I think it was last weekend, passed out in the shower and uh, had to be uh, taken to the hospital, found out her potassium was low, but that she does have COVID. And so, and, and since he took her to the hospital, then he contracted COVID as well. And so they're both doing okay, doing fine. But if you just remember them in prayer, I know that um, the family would sure appreciate that. And also pastor's mom, continue to remember her in prayer. She's on our prayer list on that first page at the bottom of the right column, uh, Dorinda Cook. If you keep her in your prayers, uh, she took a fall went to catch herself and um, scraped up her arm pretty well. And uh, having had cancer, um, they were worried about infection setting in and things like that. And doesn't, you know, she can't fight that off as well as she uh, should be able to. And uh, the infection did set in, but she's doing okay. The medications are starting to work there and she's doing all right. But please keep her in your prayers. Also, another one there just up from her, Miss Sammy Ellis. Now, Brother John, you're back there. Um, she's having some tests done here in a week. Is that about right? Okay, Okay. Um, but uh, keep her in your prayers there. She's going to be, uh, that, that the doctors would figure out, you know, what, exactly how to help her and things like that. And it's breathing, her breathing issues and things like that. So keep her in your prayers. Um, just up from that one, I've got marked on here. Um, if you'd remember um, Josiah Browning, um, he, he's fighting spinal bifida. He's one of our family uh, members there. If you ever, wherever to meet Josiah, is one of the sweetest kids you'd ever meet in your life. Um, he's a witness. He's a testimony. He, he witnesses to people since he was little, um, but he's not uh, doing well and probably won't be with us very much longer. So if you'd remember uh, him and that family, the Browning family there in your prayers, I know uh, we'd sure appreciate that. Um, it's going to be a, a sad thing to see, to see him go on, but we know he's going to heaven. Amen. And I know that for sure. And uh, just thankful for that. Good to see Brother Donnie Carr here tonight. Keep him in your prayers. Uh, 
with uh, the, the skin cancer there. Good to have you back from traveling, and uh, several back tonight. Good to have the Dalsings back from traveling as well, back from Florida. Keep the Ramers in your prayers as they are still out gallivanting around and enjoying the country, but uh, good to have these back. One praise tonight, if you go up there from, keep going up that same column, almost to the top there, is uh, Pete, Pete Bustamante. Now that, if you know uh, our family at all, if you know uh, Grandma Sue, that's my kid's grandma, that's her brother, um, and we have him on there for cancer and radiation, and just got a text message yesterday, went to the doctor, and he's cancer-free. So if you would uh, take him off of there, that is a praise for sure, and Grandma Sue said to tell all of you, thank you for your prayers. She really appreciates that, and... Um, and so just keep, keep Judy there. Um, that's her sister there in your prayers uh, with the throat cancer. She's still trying to recover uh, from that. Keep Brother Chuck Bellis in your prayers. I know he's not here tonight, but I know he would appreciate uh, you praying for him. He had his eye injection today, but home doing well. And then Miss Virginia Potts uh, also. I haven't seen her in a couple of weeks, and I know that uh, she uh, has had some health issues going on as well. So keep her in your prayers. Any, anyone else have a praise tonight or a prayer request or something we need to take off or add to the prayer list tonight? I know that was a lot, so plenty of things going on. Yes, Ms. Carr. Yes. Okay, all right, so that's James Moeller, it's Mrs. Carr's um, brother, uh, just keep him in your prayers with uh, some infection going on, and, uh, but the doctors will have wisdom to be able to help him, and that sounds like that he won't be stubborn and get it taken care of too, maybe, since he's not wanting to go to the doctor, absolutely. I think sometimes us men are like, ah, we're okay, we can handle it, but uh, he's a molar also. <laughs> Runs in the family, sounds like. Okay, uh, let's see. Miss Kristen, do I see your hand? Okay. Okay. Absolutely. So, give me her name. April, that's right. Yeah, April Perez, yeah. Wasn't, I'm having struggling with names tonight, so... Y'all better pray for me when I preach. We we're supposed to be in David. We may be in Moses or something later. I don't know. Just kidding. Um, See, so yeah, I pray. Keep April Perez in your prayers. Uh, Miss Kristen's mom. I'm going to have some dental work done. Okay. Anyone else? Libby? Okay. Do you, you have a family? Wow. Okay, do you have a family name? What's the, what's the last name? Boos, Mike Boos family? And he's the one that passed away? Oh, his mom passed away, okay. Okay, so we'll just keep the Boos family in prayer. Okay, so it's a friend um, of Libby's dad, um, and uh, he lost his mother. So um, B-O-O-S-E, Mike Boos family, keep them in prayer for bereavement. Absolutely. The loss of a loved one is never, never an easy thing. Anyone else tonight? Oh, yes, Mrs. Griffin. 
Ajá. Ok. Uh-huh. Okay, absolutely. So safety and everything going on, yeah. All right, so Heather Swearinger there on the right column, uh, not quite halfway down. Um, be sure and keep her in your prayers as they are struggling with things on the border there with the, with the fighting and all that's going on and then just her health issues continuing to give her problems absolutely go ahead and keep Israel in your prayers too amen we're commanded in scripture to pray for Israel and uh, we need to be doing that um, and they certainly are going through it yes brother Don see I remembered your name this time I told you I wouldn't forget again Amen. 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 I'll tell you what, I've always been grateful, Art. You know, you see a lot of this, just, just since you brought that up, you see a lot of this, um, the work and stuff that goes on in the church a lot of times. These kids and teenagers help around here all the time, and they're a blessing. They, and it's been that way for years, and just very, very thankful for that for the heart of our kids and our teenagers and the parents that teach them that that's a good thing to do. Amen. All right, let's go and have our men come tonight, and uh, we'll keep, uh, keep all these things. A lot of things to pray about, but I'm thankful we pray to a God that answers prayer and hears our requests. Amen. And so let's keep these things in our, in our hearts. And I'm going to ask uh, Brother John Ellis if you'd pray tonight, pray for these things, and then pray for the offering, please.
say it one more time. Turn to 424. 424, we're going to see verse 1, 3, and 4. faith in God when your pathway is lonely. He sees and knows all the way you have trod. Never alone are the least of his children. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. He is on his throne. Have faith in God. He watches o'er his own. He cannot fail, he must prevail. Have faith in God, have faith in God. Have faith in God in your pain and your sorrow. His heart is touched with your grief and despair. Cast all your cares and your sorrows upon him and leave them there, oh leave them there. Have faith in God, He is on His throne. Have faith in God, He watches o'er His own. He cannot fail, He must prevail. Have faith in God, have faith in God. Have faith in God, though all else will about you. Have faith in God, He provides for His own. He cannot fail, though all kingdoms shall perish. Heroes he reigns upon his throne. Have faith in God, he is on his throne. Have faith in God, he watches o'er his own. He cannot fail, he must prevail. Have faith in God, have faith in God. Men, remain standing and turn to the book of Psalms. Yeah, thank you, Brother Waters. Psalm chapter number 9 tonight. Psalm chapter number 9. Um, one other thing that I, I failed to mention to you, and that is this. That is that uh, this Sunday, or Saturday night, if you will, is the time change. All right? Brother Waters uh, reminded me of that, and I said, oh, I meant to write that down. See, I told you I'm forgetting everything, so... We'll see how things go tonight. But anyway, um, he, uh, he reminded me, and I said, well, maybe I should or maybe I shouldn't remind them, because if I don't remind them, they'll be here an hour early. <laughs> so uh, anyway, but you're reminded now, so if you're not early, that's my fault, I guess. But Psalm chapter number 9 tonight, okay? We're going to read just the first 12 verses together as we begin. David writing here, and he says, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. When mine enemies are turned back, they shall fall and perish at thy presence. For thou hast maintained my right and my cause. Thou saddest in the throne, judging right. Thou hast rebuked the heathen. Thou hast destroyed the wicked. Thou hast put out their name forever and ever. O thou enemy, destructions are come to a perpetual end. And thou hast destroyed cities. Their memorial is perished with them, but the Lord shall endure forever. He hath prepared his throne for judgment, he, and he shall judge the world in righteousness. He shall minister judgment to the people in uprightness. 
The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. Sing praises to the Lord which dwelleth in Zion. Declare among the people his doings. When he maketh inquisition for blood, he remembereth them. He forgetteth not the cry of the humble. I want to preach to you tonight on this subject. A whole heart of praise and gratitude for a faithful God. A whole heart of praise and gratitude for a faithful God. Let's pray tonight. Father, we thank you for allowing us to be here tonight. Thank you, God, for just the the wonderful time we've already had, just being able to bring our requests to you tonight and share requests with one another to pray for each other. But Lord, as we look to your word tonight, I pray that you would put aside distractions. I pray that you would just, um, Lord, speak through me. I pray that the message tonight would be a help and encouragement and a blessing to those that will hear it, Lord, as it's just already been to me even studying, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing tonight. <clears throat> About a, well, it would have been a week ago this past Sunday, a uh, pastor came to me on Sunday evening and he said, can you preach for me on November the 1st? I said, what? And uh, he said, well, Brother uh, um, Marshall up in St. Joe, they're going on a vacation. So I know I'm, I'm forgetting names tonight like crazy. Anyway, Brother Marshall up there is going on vacation, and uh, he would uh, like different ones of us to preach Wednesday nights, and so could you preach? And I said, absolutely, that would be wonderful. We'll be in Psalm 9. And um, so as I began looking at Psalm 9, uh, the, the next few days there, I began just reading over it, contemplating it, kind of chewing on things. I'm reading this, and I'm thinking, there's not a ton of meat. It's, it's a lot of praise, right? And I even shared this with Pastor just, I think it was uh, even yesterday, and I'm, I'm preparing, and he said, how you doing? I said, it's going all right. There's just not a lot of meat. And, and I said, but I'm, I'm just getting into it. I'm, I'm, we're going. And he said, okay. He came to me today. He said, how would it go? And I said, there's a lot of meat. <laughs> there's a lot of things there. And so um, I don't know that we'll get through all 12 verses tonight. I'm going to be mindful of the time. Um, but at the same time, there, there's a lot of good stuff in here. And as we've gone through the Psalms so far, I, I hope and trust it's been a blessing to you. It's been a blessing to me. Um, things that we've, that we've seen together and looked at. The majority of the Psalms so far, uh, they've, been, they've been laments, haven't they? They've been uh, David going before the Lord, pouring out his heart to him, uh, pouring out his complaints to him for different reasons. Uh, most of them having to do with his enemies, you know, and those that are coming up against him and how they're, they're hurting him personally and hurting uh, the nation of Israel, um, but some for different reasons. At least one of them we looked at in Psalm 6. Uh, if you remember, that had to do with David mourning over his own sin. And uh, he was getting before God and making some things right with the Lord that he needed to personally get right with God. Um, let's not forget again tonight as we go back into this that David would be a man that God calls a man after God's own heart. Okay, God himself calls David a man after God's own heart. And even though uh, he had his issues and he wasn't perfect, and we understand that. Again, so many times we put Bible people up on a plane uh, that they just had everything figured out. No, they're, they're humans just like you and I. Okay, they, they, have, they have flesh just like you and I. They have tendencies just like you and I do. And David was just like that. Um, he, had, he had his imperfections for sure. 
Um, over and over again, though, we see good examples that David gives us in the Psalms that can help us. Okay, um, In every situation that we've looked at thus far and that we will continue to look at, when David has an issue, we see him taking it to the Lord. Okay, We see him depending on God for his strength, depending on God to help him. Um, in Psalm 7, he mentions, he mentions him as the righteous judge. Again, in Psalm 9, we're going to see the same thing. He's mentioned as the, the righteous judge that will handle those around him that are persecuting him. There in Psalm 7, it was those that uh, were persecuting him with their words. They were, they were slandering him, but he kept looking to God to be his comfort and his help and his strength through all of it. What an example that is for us. We see once again that he turned to the Lord for help. And this is exactly what we need to be doing. Now in Psalm 8, we saw David asking the question. And he asked the question, who am I? Who am I? He, he, was, he was looking around at all of the wonders that God had created. The sun, the moon, the stars. He was contemplating how great his God was to create all these things and yet the creator of the universe wanted to know him individually. And he asked God the question, who am I? Who am I in all of this? Aren't you thankful that God cares for each one of us individually tonight? Many times you and I take for granted that very thing. That God wants to have a personal, close relationship and walk with each one of us individually. We don't even give thought that the only true God that is the creator of everything is mindful of each one of us. And that's an incredibly humbling thought tonight, that he would be mindful of us. But now as we begin looking tonight into Psalm 9, I want to take a brief look as to why this psalm could have been written. There's a little bit of uncertainty about it. Um, you'll get different opinions you know, um, from different uh, men, different commentators, if you will, on exactly why this psalm was written. But once we see the reason that I, I really truly believe that, that David was writing this, I think it's going to shed some light on how this psalm applies uh, to us tonight, not, not just individually, but corporately as a church as well. Okay, um, So the title of this psalm, now if you have the titles written above, uh, of, above yours there, I think most Bibles probably will have that. It reads this, To the chief musician, to the tune of Muth Laban, now, Muth Laban there, interpreted, means death of the son. Death of the son, okay? This is a psalm of David. The title indicates for us that David wrote this psalm, though, to God himself, to the, to the chief musician, okay? He's generally regarded as that in, in the psalms, the chief musician. And, and it was to a popular known tune in the day in the Hebrew, Muth Laban. Now, in this psalm, David celebrates the help and the goodness of God. I think we can see that as we kind of read down through there. He's, he's praising God for all he's done for him and for his help. Now, having done a little bit of research, I found that most believe that that title, Muth Laban, refers to a tune. Some do suggest that it could have been an instrument upon uh, which the song was played. Um, I don't personally think that was the case, but because I believe it's this, because most actually associate that title with the phrase, the death of the sun. The death of the sun. And that applies... Uh, that title as concerning the death uh, of a champion. 
is what it's more specific to. The death of a champion who went out between camps. Now that might sound a little familiar to you. Um, I think we would probably all know this as referring to Goliath. Okay, Goliath. So it's entirely possible that David wrote this psalm remembering the victory over Goliath. But I think it's entirely more possible that he's not just remembering the victory over Goliath, but he's also remembering the triumphs over all the enemies that God has allowed him to have victory over. Okay? So I believe that to be the case tonight, that he's remembering all the victories that God had given him in the past. And I think also he, he, what, what more David had in mind when writing this psalm is that he's also referring to the victories that God will give him in the future and in the present, okay? So what victories, though, might David have been referring to here? I mean, there's, there's the exact ones are not mentioned, obviously, but there were a multitude of them, all right? And uh, so just for a few minutes, I want to I contemplate just a few of the victories that maybe David was possibly talking to. Of course, we've already mentioned the, the battle of Goliath, right? And we certainly know that, that that was an act of God. God gave David the strength. He gave him the ability to sling that sling around and hit that giant in the head. I've done a lot of research on that over the years, and it's just amazing how much accuracy that those men that, that practiced with a sling could have. It's also amazing how far he's, he, he had that stone go to hit him in the head, Okay? And the speed that it was going to sink into his head. The Bible said it was in his head. Okay? And then if you think a little farther into that story, the momentum hit him in the head, but he fell on his face. And in my mind, and I know other preachers have probably said the same thing, but I think David hit him in the head and God smacked him upside the back of the head and he just fell on the ground. All right? But that's just me personally. But I'm telling you what, that was a great victory that David uh, had with God's help. There was others all the way through the book of Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel. But tonight, let's go ahead just real quick. I think this passage gives kind of an encompassing thought of a lot of these. If you'll turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 18 with me tonight. 1 Chronicles in chapter number 18. And we're going to read down through here. And I just want to give you just kind of an overview of a lot of these battles that, that the Lord gave victory in David's life. First Chronicles 18, let's begin in verse number 1. And I'm going to do my best to get all these names correct. There's a lot of names through here. Now after this it came to pass that David smote the Philistines and subdued them and took Gath and her towns out of the hand of the Philistines. And he smote Moab and the Moabites became David's servants and brought gifts. And David smote had a rezer king of Zobah unto Hamath as he went to, uh, to establish his dominion by the river Euphrates. And David took from him a thousand chariots and seven thousand horsemen and twenty thousand footmen. David also huffed all the chariot horses, or hoed all the chariot horses, but reserved of them an hundred chariots. And when the Syrians of Damascus came to help, had a rezer, king of Zobath, David slew of the Syrians two and twenty thousand men. So far, we can just stop there at verse five, and he's already done a lot. Okay, but let's keep reading. Verse number six. Then David put garrisons in Syria, Damascus, and uh, the Syrians became David's servants and brought gifts. Thus the Lord preserved David whithersoever he went. Now, stop there for a second because that's important. 
you got to understand, that right there says that David's not doing this on his own. That last phrase, the Lord preserved David wherever he went. This was God's hand working through David's life. Verse 7, And David took the shields of gold, and there were on the servants of Hadarezer, and brought them to Jerusalem. Likewise, from Tibhath and from Chun cities, Hadarezer brought uh, David uh, very much brass, wherewith Solomon made the brazen sea, and the pillars, and the vessels of brass. Now, that's speaking of the temple. He's collecting all these things from these battles, and Solomon's going to use them in the construction of the temple. Now, verse 9. Now when Toh, king of Hamath, heard how David had smitten all the hosts of Hadarezer, king of Zobah, he sent uh, Hadarim, his son, to king David to inquire of his welfare and to, and to congratulate him because he had fought against Hadarezer and smitten him. For Hadarezer had war with Toh, and with him all manner of vessels, gold and silver and brass. Them also king David dedicated unto the Lord, and the silver and the gold that he brought from all these nations, from, you know, listen to this, from Edom, and from Moab, and from the children of Ammon, and from the Philistines, and from Amalek. Moreover, Abishai, the son of Zerai, uh, slew of the Edomites in the valley of the salt 8,000, and he put garrisons in Edom, and all the Edomites became David's servants. Thus the Lord preserved David whithersoever he went. Verse 14, So David reigned over all Israel, executed judgment and justice among all the people. And Joab, the son of Zerai, was over the host. And Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahilad, recorder. And Zadok, the son of Abitub. And Abimelech, the son of Abathar, were the priests. And Sheva was scribe. And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, was over the Cherethites and the Palathites. And the sons of David were chief about the king. Let me tell you something. God gave David a lot of victories. And that's just one chapter out of 1 Chronicles that encompasses a lot of things that are going on there. And we could read, I could spend a lot of time, we could go back and look at other victories that God gave David. But for time's sake, we're not going to do that. But over and over and over again, throughout the life of David, whether as a shepherd boy with the bear and the lion, or whether as the king, or whether as when he, when he went to battle with Goliath, or whatever the case may be, God was faithful to David. God was faithful. He helped him. He gave him victory after victory after victory in his life. So with the thought of David reflecting here on God giving him victories, what is it that David does? What does he do? Well, go back to our text in Psalm 9. Psalm 9, verses 1 and 2. I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. You know what David does? He takes the time to reflect on how good God has been and how, how much he has done for him, and he praises him for it. He praises him for it. So let's stop tonight for just a moment, as the psalmist is doing here in our text, and let's you and I reflect for a minute. Let's just stop for a minute. If we're going to be honest tonight, no doubt, we could all say tonight we've had difficulties in our lives. We've had trials. We've had trouble. There's been things that are in our life that have been really tough to get through. 
There have been things in our individual lives, not all the same things because we're all different. We all face different battles, different struggles. But we face things that we would consider tough and difficult, such as death of a loved one. That's a hard thing. Loss of a job. Divorce. Bankruptcy. Disease. Maybe you've battled depression. Maybe there's addictions that you've had. Doesn't necessarily have to be drug addictions or anything like that. You can be addicted to a lot of different things. Sickness. Rebellious children. Friends that have left us. Friends that have departed from the faith. None of these things are easy. None of them. And we can certainly go to the Lord with all these problems, can't we? And we should go to the Lord with all these problems. The Bible tells us to. How about 1 Peter 5a, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. There's a lot of examples, including David, where he went to God with all these problems and these struggles. That's what we're admonished to do in Scripture. We're to take our problems and our burdens. We're to lay them at Jesus' feet. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter number 4. Look at verses 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. What does it say? Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We're to pray to God. We're to let our requests be made known unto Him. We're to go to Him. That's not to say that we can't get advice from a friend or get advice from our pastor or whoever, but our number one priority should be to take it to the Lord. That's what we're to do. We've seen David do that over the past seven chapters of Psalms. We've seen him do this very thing. We've seen him pouring out his heart to the Lord over and over again, turning to God to be his help, turning to God to be his comfort, turning to God in his time of need. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that tonight. Nothing. However, I want to pause here for just a moment tonight. Because I want to point out something. I believe as, as saved, born-again believers tonight, we spend far more time taking our complaints and our griefs and our troubles and our trials to God and far less time is spent praising Him. Far less time we spend before God praising Him for how good He is and how wonderful He is and how faithful He is and for all the good things He gives to us. How much time do you spend? I got to be honest. When I really started getting into this, it really started to convict me. And, and I'm really praying tonight that as a, not just as individuals, but that as a church corporately, we realize tonight that we have and we serve a great God who is more than faithful to us, who is more than good to us. 
And the amount of praise that we give tonight to Him could never be enough. Could never be enough. And we don't spend near enough time doing that. We don't. If we're going to be honest tonight, we just don't. You see, I know as an individual um, how, how quick I am to go to God when I need something. I am. Probably a lot of times during every day. Things happen. Things come up, whether it's in, in the church ministry side of things or whether it's in the, the school ministry side of things or, or whether it's in my family life. Trials, troubles, struggles. And I go to God with those. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. We're supposed to. But how many times a day do you stop and thank Him? How, how many times a day do I stop and praise Him for all that He's done for me? Hmm. There was a question that was asked of me a long time ago. It's been several years back. And the question that was brought up was this. If you couldn't ask God for anything, would you still talk to him? I'm going to say that again. I really want you to dwell on that tonight. If you and I were not able to ask God for a thing, would you still talk to him? Because you see, we have to understand tonight this fact that even if we couldn't ask God for a thing, He's still been more than good to us. You're allowed to have breath tonight because God allows it. You're allowed to have a church tonight because God allows it. You're allowed to have your family tonight because God allows it. God is good. But we don't spend near enough time thanking him for it. We just don't. Our, our lives can be filled with so much heartache, so much pain, so much hurt. But God's still good. Even in all of that, he's still good. I'm going to ask you this question tonight. How many victories has God helped you win? How many victories has God helped you win in your life? I bet if you were to stop and think about it tonight, it's been a lot. Probably more than you would even remember or could count. How many times has God's grace and His mercy gotten you through those hard times? Over and over and over again. How many times has God proven to you in your personal life that He's able to take care of you? To provide for you. To be your comfort and your strength. And your help in time of need. And your help when times get tough. I'm here tonight to tell you, God is faithful. He is faithful. Even when we're not, He is faithful. How many times has He proven Himself faithful to this church? How many times have, have we seen God show Himself evident through the lives of this church? He's changed families. 
He's put them back together. He's changed children. He's called young men to preach. He's called missionaries out of our church. God's faithful to us, folks. He's faithful. And God is good, and He deserves all the praise that we could possibly give Him, which will never be enough. But can I tell you tonight that your enemy, Satan, doesn't want you to remember any of that. He wants you and me to live in a life of defeat. He wants us to live in a life where we dwell on the bad and all of the circumstances and wants us to think that God can never do anything to help us. That's what he wants us to think. And that's exactly what we're going to do unless we can learn to stop, think back, and praise God for all he's done. That's what David's doing here. That's what he's doing. He's taking the time to stop, praise God for all he's done, so that he's not living that life of defeat. That's what he's doing. And we better learn to do it with our whole heart, as David is here. Our whole heart. That's what David's doing. It's believed that David, seven times a day, prayed and thanked God. Seven times a day. Do we do it once? Now, I'm not trying to be judgmental tonight, but I would, I would venture to say there's probably some in this room that don't even pray to God maybe one time a day. Statistically speaking. Much less seven. And we wonder sometimes why we're struggling through things. David gave thanks to the Lord with his whole heart. We see here just in the first two verses that David wants to pour out his heart to God once again, but this time it's not to complain. It's not to, to mourn or worry or be sad or unhappy. No, this time it's to take the time to praise the God who's been so faithful to him through everything that he's been through. He took the time to do it with his whole heart. Do you, do you know what that means tonight? That means this, and this is really deep, so stay with me. Not just part of it. <laughs> Tongue in cheek there. The whole thing. Now I know teaching school here, and I have several teachers in here that help me teach school that do a fantastic, phenomenal job. And they'll tell you that I'm not the math whiz in school. It's not my forte. Some of them do an amazing job at it, not me. But I will tell you this, I know enough to do fractions. Okay? I can do fractions. And I know that one-third or one-fourth or one-half is not the whole. Okay? But you know what? Do we as Christians understand that? that? That was my thought on this. Do we as believers understand that concept? Because I think many times we, we say, oh, well, we praise God with our whole heart when really we know we're, we're only doing it maybe a third of the way or, or half the way. We don't quite grasp the concept that David's trying to do here with the whole heart. I don't picture David here sitting at his dinner table like we do daily basis or for lunch or you're out to eat or whatever and just casually thanking God 
for how good he's been. Lord, thank you for the food. Lord, thank you for how good you've been. Amen. And eating. That's not what David's doing here. Okay? But many times, as Christians, we think that's good enough. And we just pass on. No, what, what David's doing here, it, it, I picture him before, his, before God on his face, crying out to God, giving him the glory and the honor that he so rightfully deserves. God, thank you for how good you are. When's the last time we've done that? When's the last time you were at an altar just thanking God for how good he's been to you? The message that the pastor, listen to me, the message that the pastor preaches, you're like, well, yeah, I think it was a great message. You just spoke to me, but there's not really, a, you know, it wasn't really like deep in me. Then why don't you just come to an altar and thank God for a pastor that preaches the word like it ought to be preached? Thank him for how good he is. Thank him for how faithful he is. Thank him for sending a man of God to us that can preach the word. We have so much to be thankful for. And so many times we don't give God near the whole heart. In fact, probably most of the time we don't. David says here, I will show forth thy marvelous works. Look at the end of verse 1. I will praise thee with the whole heart. I will show forth thy marvelous works. That means David wants everyone to know how good God is. He's going to show it forth. He wants everyone to know how faithful his God has been to him and how great his God is. And he's going to show it. I can't help but wonder how many of us actually get on our faces before God like this and really praise him and thank him on a daily basis for how great he is in our own individual lives, much less show it for everyone else to see. wonder how many people we come into contact with that know the God we serve because we show it. We heard a great message on that Sunday night, if you were here, how we don't need to be afraid to preach to others and tell others about the Lord. David here in these first two verses, he takes the time to do a few things. He takes the time to praise the Lord. He takes the time to tell of his wonders, to be glad and rejoice in him, to sing praises to his name. Do you know why David wanted to do this? Why does David want to praise the Lord? Well, look at verses 3 and 4. He says, Mine enemies are turned back. They shall fall and perish at thy presence. For thou hast maintained my right and my cause. Thou saddest in the throne, judging right. I think it's important to note here that in verse 3, David again begins to mention the enemies, doesn't he? He mentions his enemies, just like he has in the previous uh, seven psalms or so, but he is mentioning them here in the present tense. I want you to notice that. It's the present tense. He says, I will, uh, when mine enemies are turned back. He doesn't say when they were or when they're going to be. He says when they are in the present tense. It's as though David right here is going through a trial. He's going through a struggle in his life right now of some sort. So you, you say, okay, so David is praising God while he's going through a trial? Yes! Did you know you can praise God while you're going through a trial? And did you know that that praising, we're going to see here in a little bit, if you'll do it as you're going through the trial, it's going to encourage you to stay faithful to God. 
Because you'll begin to dwell on the things that he's done in the past and you'll see that he can do the same thing now. It's amazing. I hope you can sense my tongue in cheek here, but it's almost as if David's remembrance of the past trials that God has brought him through is giving them the, the confidence in the trial that he might be going through now. Hmm. Even though David certainly wants everyone to know how good and wonderful God is, he's also reminding himself of how good God has been in the past and, and given victories in the past. And this past remembrance is giving him the anticipation. Now get this tonight. It's giving him the anticipation to see how God is going to work through the present trial that he's going through. You ever been in the middle of something and you just felt down in the dumps about it? I have. But you know what? If we'll remember that God's been there and helped us in the past, we can also have excitement. Okay, God, how are you going to work through this one? Okay? Now, I'm not saying, of course, I grew up in a pastor's home, and I'm not going to tell you uh, tonight that, that my dad always was, had this thought in mind here. Okay? That would be, that would be a lie. But I can tell you um, there's, there was multiple times where I would hear him uh, maybe in his office or something, and, or we'd be talking about a serious matter. Maybe it's a, a church member or something that's going on uh, that was serious. And he, would, and he would say this very thing. Okay, God, how are you going to work through this one? You know what that was? And I didn't, I didn't really understand it as a kid, but I understand it more now. That was anticipation because he remembered, okay, God, this is how you've worked in the past. Go ahead and do your work now. Uh, we should have that same mindset and attitude, shouldn't we? On a daily basis. Okay, God, we've seen you work in the past. Yes, this is a horrible thing I'm going through. But God, oh, I'm excited to see how you're going to work through this one. And by the way, he may not do it how you want it done, but that's not the point. He's going to accomplish his will, okay? We just need to be thankful that he's there to go through it with us and help us through it. And I'm telling you, when you come out on the other side of it, you're going to be way better off, even if it didn't seem that way to begin with. That's how God works. You and I have to do the same thing. We have to understand tonight that Satan hates us. He hates you. He wants to discourage you uh, through any way possible. And he, wanted, he wants to do this. He wants to hinder your ability to serve the Lord. And he'll do that through your troubles and your trials. The ways he can do this, I mean, it's really endless. It could be the loss of a job. It could be uh, your, your children that are rebellious. It could be a marital conflict. It could be the death of a loved one. Or even, or even something that another church member said to you that just rubbed you the wrong way. And you get offended by it. But whatever the case may be, Satan wants to use any means possible to fight you. And to leave you feeling helpless, discouraged, defeated. But David reminds us here through his example that we can look at the victories that God has given us in the past and realize that the same God that helped us then, he's the same God that will help us today. Okay, he'll be there for us. He's been there for us. He'll be there for us in the future. David shows us this confidence by saying in verse 3 that his enemies turn back. They stumble. They perish. His cause is maintained by God in verse number 4. God is on the throne and judges rightly in verse number 4 because he's been, uh, his enemies have been rebuked by the heathen, uh, destroyed the wicked, and put out their name forever and ever in verse number 5. Look at that. Thou hast rebuked the heathen 
Thou hast destroyed the wicked. Thou hast put out their name forever and ever. Look at verse number 6. O thou enemy, destructions are come to a perpetual end, and thou hast destroyed cities. Listen to this. Their memorial is perished with them. You know what that means? There's no memory of them anymore. They're so gone. That's how God works. David was a man of war, wasn't he? We heard this, I believe it was uh, one of the last messages Pastor preached. It might have been Sunday night. But Solomon is the one who God wanted to build the temple, right? Because David was a man of war. So we understand that tonight. David had many victories, but David knew and he understood that those victories that he had uh, and, his, and the coming defeats of the enemies that were, that were on him now or in, in his future, he, he understood that even though he was a man of war, that his strength didn't lie within himself. Okay? It wasn't anything that he had done. Rather, it was the strength of his God that was able to gain him the victories. Okay? And that's who he depicts here. And he depicts him here as a judge. As a judge. He depicts him here as, as not just any judge, but as the righteous judge who judges righteously. You see, David's been attacked in the past, and maybe here even, without a cause. All right? That, that's happened. And apparently he's been treated unrighteously. But he's confident that God has taken up his cause. Okay? That God is, is helping him through it. And that his judgment will be righteous as it's been in the past. And that eventually it will bring about the ruin of his unrighteous enemies. Listen to me tonight. This God that helped David, he's the same God that's still sitting on the throne today. He's not gone anywhere. He rules from heaven. He hasn't changed one bit. Hebrews 13, 8 says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that means that tonight, that exact same God, <laughs> I love this, that helped David, he's the same God that can help you and I. The same. He hasn't changed. The same God that David is sure will give him the victories going forward, he's the same God that can give you the victories going forward. Just keep living for him. Place your faith and trust in him. And watch him work. David continues in verse number 7. Listing more things about this righteous judge. Look at that. In verse number 7. But the Lord shall endure forever. He hath prepared his throne for judgment. He shall judge the world in righteousness. He shall minister judgment to the people in uprightness. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in time of trouble. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. The Lord shall endure forever. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Revelation 21.6 says he is from everlasting to everlasting. Psalm 90 and verse 2 and Psalm 41 and verse 13 say many of the same things. If you want to write those down, you can look them up later. But he has prepared in verse 7 his throne for judgment. He will judge the world in righteousness, according to verse 8. He will be the minister. Uh, he will minister judgment to the people in uprightness. David is saying here that in these verses that the Lord shall reign. 
That literally means shall sit. He shall sit, according to verse 4. Then in verse 7, his throne is established for the execution of judgment. Then in verses 7 and 8, just again resound and make clear that God is the righteous judge. And he will judge in perfect righteousness. And there may come judgment from the Lord that's harsh. That may happen. Okay, And the, and the wicked should fear this, shouldn't they? The harsh judgment, the wicked should fear this. But since he is the righteous judge, the one who is living for the Lord has nothing to fear. Now I want to make something clear. David's not talking here about the final judgment of the end times. right? He's clearly speaking about what is currently going on in his life. And the enemies that he's faced and presently facing. And how that again from past experiences and the victories that God has given him. Uh, from those he is anticipating once again God's perfect righteous judgment of the wickedness that's facing him now and he's encouraging himself through these thoughts but David then goes on to what God uh, will continue to do for one who seeks the Lord and desires to walk with him look at verse number nine the Lord will also be a refuge for the oppressed a refuge in times of trouble I love this because this same God who's the righteous judge, and he's going to judge the wicked, and he's going to punish them, he's the same God that protects those who know him. He's the same God that protects those who know him. The word refuge there literally means a stronghold, a fortress, if you will, the place where the child of God can run to for protection. Well, then this begs a question tonight. Do you know him? Do you know him? Are you one of his children tonight? Do you know the Lord as your personal savior? If there's never been a time and a place where you can go back to, where you know the Lord, you know you called on him as your personal savior, you asked him to forgive you of your sins, so that you can know that you're on your way to heaven. I can't think of a better time and a place than tonight, right now. You need to know the Lord. David didn't place his faith in himself or in princes or in his mighty men. No, he placed his faith in God. Has there ever been a time and a place where you placed your faith in Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? If you want the protection of the shepherd, you've got to be one of the sheep. If you want the protection of the shepherd, you've got to be one of the sheep. Now, we can go to Psalm 23, and we go all the way through that. But the Lord is our shepherd, and we are the sheep. And even though we understand sheep aren't too bright, we're still sheep. We're still sheep. The shepherd isn't obligated to provide protection for the sheep that are not his. I'm going to say that again. The shepherd is not obligated to provide protection for the sheep that don't belong to him, that are not his. David understood this because he'd been a shepherd. He knew the Lord was his great shepherd and that he would take care of him and protect him because he belonged to him. He was one of his sheep. But are you one of his sheep? There's never been a time and a place that you've called out to the Lord and asked him to forgive you of your sin and save you. You're not one of the Lord's sheep tonight. And you have reason to fear because you're living outside of his protection. You need to call on the Lord and be saved today before it's eternally too late. But for those of us who know the Lord as our Savior, we can be encouraged here as David is. We can be encouraged. 
It's a serious it is a serious trial to the child of God to feel forsaken by God. I'm going to say that again. It's a serious trial to any child of God if we feel forsaken by Him. There are particular times where we're likely to feel that the Lord has forsaken us. Maybe when we've sinned. We're away from God. There's separation there. When we face great troubles in our life. Maybe when we have some great job to do. We're scared to do it. We're not depending on Him to help. Maybe when we feel our, our prayers are unanswered. But did you know this tonight? That just as David did here, you can find refuge in seeking God. You can find refuge in seeking God and knowing His name. To know thy name here. He says, to know thy name here is, is equivalent to learning God's character as made known by his acts. You know how you're going to know the character of God? By spending time with him. You've got to spend time with him. One commentator said it this way. I love this. Men complain of their little faith. The remedy is in their own hands. Let them set themselves to know God. But for all this, you must make time. You cannot know a friend from hurried interviews, much less God. So you must steep yourself in deep, long thoughts of his nearness and his love. You're going to have to spend time with him. David had this close relationship with the Lord. And therefore, David was encouraged because of how the Lord had been his refuge and his protection for him in the past. And he continues in verse number 10. Look at that. And he says, And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. God will not forsake those who seek him and put their trust in his name. He won't. He won't. If you go to God and you want to seek him and you say, oh Lord, I'm here, I want your help. God's not going to say no. If you're really trying to live for him and serve him and you're really genuinely seeking after him, he'll be your refuge. He'll be your strength. He'll be your help in time of trouble. David understood that the help of God wasn't given just because God favored some and opposed others. It was because his people have a relationship with him. They know his name. They have faith in him. They put their trust in you, he says here. And they seek him. Turn to Deuteronomy 31, 6. Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse number 6 says this. Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee, he will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Amen. Hebrews chapter 13. I know we're going a little quick here, but turn to Hebrews chapter number 13. I believe this is Paul here writing. He's writing to the Jews. He says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Why? So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. 
And I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Paul encourages the Jews and us here as well that Jesus Christ, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And because of this, the same God that Moses said would not leave the children of Israel back in the, in the uh, Deuteronomy that we just read, uh, he will not leave them or forsake them. He's the same God that will not leave those nor forsake those today who place their faith and trust in him. And who look to him for guidance and who look to him for direction and look to him for their protection. He is our great shepherd too. Just like he was David's great shepherd. David was encouraged by these thoughts and tonight we can be also. We should be encouraged by them. And so we see David in the final part of this first section reiterating again what he started the chapter with. Only this time he's turned the imperative toward everyone. Whereas we see him in verses 1 and 2, beginning by declaring his own intention and praise of the Lord, uh, he now calls for those who know the Lord and are afflicted in some way to praise the Lord. Look at verse 11 and 12, and we'll wrap this thing up. Singing praises to the Lord which dwelleth in Zion, declare among the people his doings. When he maketh inquisition for blood, he remembereth them, he forgetteth not the cry of the humble. David here is imploring everyone that hears him praising God to join him in doing the same. David wants everyone to sing praise to the Lord because he's not forgotten his own. Singing praises to the Lord, David exhorted others to do what he'd already done in this psalm, to praise him and to declare his deeds among the people. This is a call for everyone to sing, for everyone to worship God. From a deep conviction there in verse number 11, that God has not forsaken his own. And because of this, we should praise him if you know the lord is your savior tonight you have everything to praise him for i think there's something really important we can learn from this uh, what david's doing here and that is when we begin to praise the lord aloud it encourages others to do the same i want you to think about that you know we have song services here in the church do you know why as the song director i get up and i implore you to sing out because it encourages others to do the same And by the way, no amount of singing that we do in this auditorium will ever be enough to praise God again for what he really is and how faithful he really is. We should be singing out to the Lord and encouraging each other to do that. In the song services, in prayer services, we go to men's prayer in the morning. It's encouraging to hear other men pray. And it encourages us to do the same. I would encourage you men to be to those things. In in conversations with friends and family, talking about God with one another. In conversations with our children. I'm going to say that again. In conversations with our children, it's important that we talk to our children about the Lord and godly things. With those you work with, everyone around us needs to know that we love our God and that we have a personal relationship with Him and He's there for us and He's our protector. And if they're not saved, they can have the same thing. You might be able to lead somebody to the Lord just because of your testimony and how thankful and praising you are of your Heavenly Father. And lastly here tonight, David reminds himself and those around him that God's not forgotten the oppressed and he will remember the cry of the humble. David calls others to praise God for the same reason he praised him earlier. Notably because God is a a partisan on his behalf of the oppressed and the humble. God even avenges their blood, he says right here. Uh, We could go back to the book of Numbers and I was going to do that tonight uh, in chapter 35. But in the book of Numbers, it tells us that the blood of the unavenged murderers pollutes the earth. Okay, the blood of Abel even spoke to God in, in Genesis chapter number 4. 
And the blood of Nabal was seen by God in Second uh, Kings chapter 9. He, he's promised to avenge blood and to remember the murder. He's promised that. The blood of those gets the attention of God. It reminds us here that God will remember and avenge the blood of his persecuted people. Spurgeon said this, O persecutors, there is a time a coming. I love, the, I love how he says this in here. Kind of reminds me of pastors um, Southern. Anyway, O persecutors, there is a time a coming when God will make a strict inquiry after the blood of these men. He lists them, Hooper, Bradford, Latimer, Taylor, Ridley, etc., there's a time of coming wherein God will inquire who silenced and suspended such and such ministers and who stopped the mouths of such and such and who imprisoned, confined, and banished such and such who were once burning and shining lights and who were willing to spend and be spent that sinners might be saved and that Christ might be glorified. God has not forgotten the ones who uphold His name. He will not forget you either if you'll put your faith and trust in him it's a comfort tonight to know that god does not forsake those who seek him but he does seek out those who bring about affliction upon his people i don't know what each of you are going through in your personal lives tonight i don't know you could be here tonight and you don't know the lord is your savior i don't know maybe you need to be saved tonight maybe you need to become one of his sheep so that you can be under his protection. So you have a shepherd to run to when things get hard. You might be here tonight and you feel as though God's forgotten you. You might be going through a trial right now that seems so hard and you're feeling so discouraged and you don't know how to get through it. Well, David laid it out pretty clear in here tonight, didn't he? We need to take the time to reflect on how good God's been in the past. We need to realize that he's the same God that we've seen work in the past and in our own personal lives and in this church. And he's still the righteous judge that's sitting on the throne today. He hasn't changed a bit. He'll never leave us nor forsake us if we're seeking him and depending on him for our strength and our protection and our guidance. And then we need to be a testimony of all that to everybody around us so that they can see the same I don't know how God will speak to you tonight. But as we take a moment of invitation, maybe tonight we just need to get it before him and praise him for how good he is, if nothing else, because he is so good to us. Let's bow our heads together tonight. Father.